Hey, you. It's Hal Aaron. And I'm so excited. I'm talking to Liz Miller today. Uh, man, Liz is like, I, I don't even know where to begin to describe Liz. She's a nurse. She's a songwriter. She's a wife and a mom. And she just finds time to do all this stuff. And she's got some great stories and uh, just a fun gal to talk to. So like, let's not even waste any time. I'm Hal Aaron. Welcome to my podcast, Tales of the Road Warriors. Hey there, it's Hal Aaron Cohen, and welcome to my podcast, Tales of the Road Warriors. Uh, as I said, we're speaking with Liz Miller today, and uh, we talk about, uh, well, First of all, she drops a lot of names, but she's got a music. She comes from a musical family, and uh, just really interesting tales to tell. Uh, we talk about where songs come from, and uh, I'll tell you. Even though Liz is a serious songwriter, she has a few extremely funny songs in her catalog. One of them, and one of my personal favorites, is called "Code Brown." So today, you'll get the backstory on this hilarious song and YouTube video. And it turns out the story behind the song is as funny or funnier than the song itself. How does Liz manage to balance a nursing career, a songwriting career, and still find time to be a wife and a mother to two kids? Well, why don't we ask Liz right now? So how was your drive down to, where are you, Kate May? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, I really enjoy, uh, I enjoy driving now. I do too, actually. You know when I started to enjoy driving, and this is going to sound funny, but it's the truth. When I discovered podcasts, really? Yeah. Oh, I li I listen to podcast. Wayne has a much better uh, system than I do. I went really cheap. I got like nothing, and he has um. Oh, what do you call it? Where everything is. If you have a subscription, it's like Sirius Radio. Yes, he has all that stuff. So we listen to podcasts whenever we. Like, we go to Maine, and right. that's eight hours. Yeah, and the thing about podcasts, too, is that, that they're streamed. They're not broadcast, like, over airwaves, so you, they never drop out on you. Like, you get leave the city, and then you stop hearing it, and, and your stations fade in and out. With podcasts... Yeah, like terrestrial radio. Yeah, with podcasts, it does not happen, and the shows are longer, and they're, like, just really, really interesting interviews. They are very interesting. <laughs> And, and I could just listen the whole trip, no matter where I'm heading. It's like, it's still not over by the time I get there. And sometimes I want to just sit in the car and listen. Oh, I've, I've done that. Sometimes I see Wayne just sitting in the car and I know he's just listening to something. And he wants to hear a close to something. Yep. <laughs> so let's see. Let's get into this. I, I don't even know where to start with you because you, you, you do so much. You, you're, like, you're busy 24-7. I don't even know. Do you sleep? Sleep is for pussies. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I remember you saying that on Facebook, and I, I'm like, meow. <laughs> <laughs> right? I know. It's, it's erratic. I definitely have a sleep disorder. But, you know, I just feel like I'll sleep when I get stuff done. That's all. Yeah. I sleep here and there. How long have you been a nurse versus how long have you been involved in songwriting and that stuff? Well, I've been a nurse for about 27 years, but I've been writing songs for about... But you're 15. only 25 years old. How's that possible? Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just... That's right. I'm 39. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. So, and you've been doing the songwriting for how long? 
forever. I did it when I was a kid. Um, I grew up in a musical family. Uh, my stepfather wrote, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. What? He wrote A Taste of Honey. His name is Bobby Scott. And my mom uh, was a, a singer on the Steve Allen show. She used to sing with Andy Williams and then alternate nights with uh, Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet. So oh, we, I remember you. I was you, always surrounded by music. Yeah, I remember you posted a picture of your mom on Facebook. She's stunning. Right. Yes. And, and she just kind of walked away because she had no idea about business and any of that and just walked away to get married and have kids. Yeah, she wouldn't. She's not the first or last to do that. And uh, once you get a taste of this business, sometimes it uh, it makes you just yeah, want to run around. She was a mystery. There was actually a jazz professor who found an album that she did and went on a search for her. It was like searching for Sugar Man, only it was my mom. <laughs> and he found her because I had gone to um, the Paley Museum of Television and Arts in New York City and put in... Uh, her name, and I got two hits, and I got to watch her at 18 years old on the Steve Allen show, two different shows. <clears throat> I know, right? Yeah. And he saw that I had done that or posted that and got in touch with me that way. He found Sugar Babe. He found her because he had put on his website that he had looked through this vinyl bin in some jazz store and found this artist named Pat Kirby. And couldn't believe the album. I mean, she was a Decca recording artist. She sang with like Sarah Vaughan and Peggy Lee and people like that. And then just walked away. <laughs> huh. Yeah, we're great like that. No, we have no business in our family. Mm. You know, my father wasn't musical. He was, but he was very funny. He worked for Forbes magazine mm-hmm. doing copy, writing copy. Like he was, he was a madman. You know that move, that show, The Mad Men. That he was one of those. Yeah, like a Madison Avenue guy. Yes, yes, in advertising and promotion, and uh, but he wasn't musical at all. But I remember he used to get such a kick out of. He would sing a song, and then I would go over and I would just play it on the piano, one handed, of course. That was little, and um, my mom insisted that I had to study because I had a gift from God. That whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, when you're a kid, I think. Studying music is like another job. You know, you're learning to read, you're learning to write, you're learning to math, and now they want to do that to you, too. So I, I wasn't enthusiastic about it, but well, I did uh, have the meanest teacher in New Jersey, and then I learned about myself. Yeah, it I sounded think like I need, a... like, a Viking to beat me up every day to do stuff. I mean, I don't respond to nice people. Right. They just let you, they just let you get away with everything. So your inner Viking would take over. That's right. So I had the nastiest. Flog yourself. So uh, you took piano lessons mostly. Did you hear that? I think somebody left me a voicemail, and it sounds like the sheriff of Nottingham did it. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I sound like the Road Warriors have arrived. (laughs) (laughs) Her name was Mrs. Winereby. I was a little kid, and if you missed, she was big on the fingering, of course, and if. You missed a note with the proper finger. She would put the proper finger on the proper note and hold your finger there. And then she would lean all her body weight into your finger and smash it. (laughs) Oh. 
Yep. Nice. <laughs> yeah. See, I respond to stuff like that. Yeah. I respond see, to people. See, I, like, that's, I took guitar lessons, and I, he didn't have to do that because my guitar I was talking to Dan about this. Uh, my, the action on my guitar was so high. It was such a cheap little piece of crap guitar that it, it would hurt my fingers to even use it. My teacher was the opposite. He let me use his, he had a really sweet Epiphone, and he let me use that when I, whenever I went for the lesson. And I couldn't wait to to get to the lesson just to play his guitar because it was such a it was like butter. Then I'd get home and have to practice on my little domino. Uh, well, you practice on something <laughs> harder. Everything else is easier. Yeah, you know how they talk about okay. your fingers have to bleed. Well, they they do. Oh, they do. I but mean, I, now that I am trying to play guitar, I mean, it really hurts your fingers. Yeah, well, I I have calluses now. I don't know about you, but. Uh, just when I get them, something happens, and then I have to get them all over again. Yeah. So it's like the fifth concentric ring of hell. It happens over and over and over and over. Right. Like the holiday, <laughs> holidays come, and you got to do lots of dishes, and they, you just wash them off with the... Oh, especially with, when with they're wet. Of liquid. You try to play after your fingers were wet. Ugh. Then they really hurt. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not just going to go down this whole list of questions, but I'm just going to jump right to... Code Brown, what ha- what, where'd that come from? Well, like I said, I, I always wrote songs or poems or things like that. And, for example, I wasn't allowed to go on the high school Washington trip because I wrote a poem about uh, the gym teacher because she was pretty nasty. And I even ripped it up and they took it out of the garbage and taped it together to show my mom. <laughs> and so I wasn't allowed to go to the Washington trip. So writing has always been somewhere in my life. Um, Code Brown was, um, it was inspired because one day I was sitting in the nursing station just waiting to get report. And they have big signs and it's like, code red is a fire, code black is a bomb, code pink is a baby abduction, code yellow is an emergency, okay? Uh And then some smell from hell wafted in and I just said, Code Brown, and that's where it came from. And so they were working on construction on our nursing unit, and they closed half of it and put us over on an empty nursing unit. And so we only worked on half a floor. But when you see an empty nursing unit, it's really eerie. And I said, wow, we really got to use this opportunity. So I wrote Code Brown, and I just worked it up in my home studio. And everybody wanted to be in it. But I made sure that I covered anything that would reveal um, what that hospital was. Because, you know, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. Yeah, you filmed it at uh, St. Elsewhere, right? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, we did it. And everyone had such a good time. And we laughed so hard. And I thought that was the end of it. And then um, I guess uh, the boss called me into the office and, and showed it to me. And said, um, if this is anywhere online, you are in a lot of trouble. And, you know, I just used some corporate speak and said, well, this was a team building exercise and la, 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 la. And, uh, <laughs> of course, they said, I laugh my ass off, but you're not allowed to do this. And um, I actually used that three years later to get a job. Huh. The hospital needed a video because they were trying to get magnet status. And a friend of mine said, 
we need to show Code Brown to the director of nursing. And I said, well, talk about I'll, an either, emergency. I'll either get fired or I'll get hired. And I got hired to do the video. That's hilarious. I know, right? So I always feel like when you're writing something, it's, you know, the universal subconscious is working through you. You don't know why you have to write something. You just know you do and you do it. And then all of a sudden, like I say, three years later, it gets me a job. You don't know why you just do it. And that's you did I, it. That's my motto. <laughs> I like that. Of course. So, so yeah. So now these days you're um, more into it than ever, but I don't know how you managed to split your time between the nursing and the music. Well, the nursing I picked particularly because of the music. Um, I think that if I worked nine to five every day, my soul would literally be sucked out of my body. I could never do it. But when I do nursing, I can do 36 hours in three days and then be off for a week. And in my week off, I try to do as much as possible. Well, you've been traveling a lot lately, Nashville and California and here and there and Roanoke. Well, I've had some, you know, I've had some downtime because of family issues. And I just started getting back into it again. And, um, you know, right now I'm the co- coordinator of the Nashville Songwriters Association, and we have a really great group that comes in, and everybody's enthusiastic and excited, and that inspires me, because if you just concentrate on how the business of music is, you just wouldn't do it. It's so hard. It's so hard for people to come out to see live music. I mean, the downloads, you're getting paid 0.001 cents, Mm. 0.001, sometimes 0.0001. And when you consider that that demo, and this is a cheap demo, might have cost eight hundred dollars, you're uh, saying, okay, well, I'm going to need ten billion spins before uh, I even yeah. make up the money that it cost me. To There's do no it. justification whatsoever. None. For, for and the so way I think you get to the point priced. where you say, I can't justify spending this money if no return is coming. And then maybe you take it a step further and say, well, if I don't have product, I can't pitch. If I don't. So, I mean, it's like any business, you know, you go through a slump, but they just passed the Music Modernization Act. And I'm hoping that some of these downloads get a little more money because of this. It's always the artists that get screwed and the business people take everything from the talent. Yeah. I mean, and I, I really never thought of myself as somebody who would go out and play, but I've been encouraged by a lot of people to do it. And I decided that would be fun to do. That, I, I'm just at the beginning of my road warrior life. Right. Well, when I met you, it was at, a, I think, an NSAI event. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget where it was, but it was like a Christmas, Christmassy kind of place. And you got up there and did what you did. And, and I was like impressed as hell with your, your, your writing. Oh, thank you. And I guess I must have done that Santa Claus song. I mean, I met Santa on the internet. Yeah. So then, that's my favorite song of yours. Uh, thanks. <laughs> I love it because it's such a, it would be such a great video. And I don't know why I think in video now, but I guess everything is. But um, if I could find a good animator that, that would do it for free, that <laughs> you don't even need an animator. People love to be in videos. I mean, they're fun. Well, you know, I was talking to Dan to about the one. What was the one? I got a gun. We were talking about that, where everybody was like little cartoon bugs and stuff. So uh, that got me thinking that I met saying on the on the internet would be like a children's adaptable. story. Like you turn a page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. But anyway, <laughs> you know everybody's waiting for Santa because of the Christmas tree. I'll talk more about that. Little things. It's hysterical. 
Thanks. I'll talk more about it when I interview myself, though. Oh, okay. This, okay. This it's is all you. about me. Yeah, you're you're the all guest. About me. How exciting. Liz Miller, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so well, let's talk about your project with um, um, with Margaret. Uh, the uh, the ex. Oh, the ex conditionals. The ex conditionals. Yeah. It used to be the unconditionals. Yeah. Until. Well, I I think that that's very interesting. Um, it used to be that you could play the same music and the same. You could play the same. You could have the same name as another band as long as you didn't play the same music in the same region. But the internet has made everywhere the same region. So there was a band in some shire in England that was rockabilly that had the name first. And so um, even though we had the unconditionals.com, they had the unconditionals.uk, but they were on YouTube first. And they, they had done all that first, which made it impossible to find us. Right. So we then had to figure out a name, and uh, we used a band name generator. Did you ever do that? I haven't used it to actually name a band, but I played with it just to. Oh, just you got to play with it, it because it's so funny. But we didn't like anything. Did you meet them? Finally, I, I said, "That's it. Let's just be the X Conditionals. That way, I can use a red sharpie and cross over the un, and we can sell the CDs like that." And we thought that was a great idea, and that's what we've been doing. <laughs> And we're actually almost on our second CD. I have to go out to California. I might go out within, I think the next month is our plan. And it's really cool, the music. I love it. So looking forward to getting that done and going back to Nashville, doing some pitching. Are they still downloading uh, uh, copies of He's a Dick? It's called You're a Dick. You're a Dick, yeah. Are they still? You're a Dick. You're a Dick. Look it up. <laughs> it's a great song. <laughs> I Actually, I love that, that song. It's such a great song. They can't really use it unless we clean it up. Um, yeah. But then what would the point be if you cleaned it up? Well, but it was such a cathartic song. And all the women I've ever played it for, I think it's the greatest song ever. How do you clean up a song called You're a Dick? You're a eh, eh, What the eh nah, I'm sorry. I that, that, nah, that just... <laughs> I know, but it's hysterical. <laughs> it really is. I'm sorry. There comes a time when you just got to go, no, we're sticking with the title. <laughs> no, we've but, had like pro Nashville writers say, that's the song I wish I could write. Exactly. Know? And if you came to a, uh, like a songwriter pitch a thon or whatever and, and pitched, you're a, uh, uh, like, you wouldn't not, you would not get the same visceral response. I'm sorry. The problem is this whenever you have a song with cursing in it, like, you know, that, that song will find a place in a movie. And uh, I keep thinking like a Melissa McCarthy movie or something like that. It, it, it will have a place somewhere. Is there, is there somewhere but, people can listen yeah, to it online? Filmmakers, if you're listening, you're a dick. You, you got to have it in your film. <laughs> and then we have distribution by the Orchid. I keep thinking, how come they haven't gotten us in a film? I mean, we have pictures and stuff. So, you know, you just wait. You cast the nets. You just try to do everything. Right. And then you just see what comes back. And um, I think a lot of people were very disgusted about the whole business part of it and started to step away. You know, I think there was like a mass depression. I think like over 90% of the songwriters had to leave Nashville and do other things because they couldn't sustain anymore. Mm. But I think ultimately you say to yourself, um, what do I want? I mean, this is something I love. And what would I be doing if I didn't do that? 
I said, I'd probably be drinking or something and be crazy in some bar. So this keeps me out of trouble. It makes me feel good to write a real, you know, if I'm happy with something, that's the best feeling in the world because I'm never happy. So when I'm actually happy when I do it, it's, it's a miracle and there's no better feeling. So I'm not going to stop doing it. So Liz, you have a a good tale of, of your travels. Anything? I, I do have some fun tales. Like I just went to the Frank Brown songwriter festival in like the Florabama. And so I was playing in a round and with the person who wrote Santa, I mean, my, a grandma got run over by a reindeer. And I thought, that's a song I wish I wrote. I wish I wrote something that they'll play forever. Right. I mean, say you get a hit song. Now it's only lasts about four to six weeks and then you're out of the rotation or whatever. But if you can write a classic song, you right. are there forever. That would be a goal. Well, during this time, a woman came up to me and she said, I feel like I know you. She said, are we Facebook friends? So I whipped out my phone and I was like, not yet, but now we are. You know, you can just click a button. And she <laughs> said, I can't shake it. I can't shake it. And so I was like, okay. Um, about an hour later, she came back to me and she said, do you know Fred Guggenberger in Germany? <laughs> yes, I do. What? Yes, I do. I met Fred Guggenberger on Broadjam. And uh, Broadjam was a, is a great site and was always very, very good to me. And um, anyway, I met Fred because, you know, musicians talk to each other. Like, I like your sound on this or how'd you do that? And, you know, and um, these people play in Germany once a year and they stay at Fred Guggenberger's house. And I said, what's the likelihood of a person coming from Philadelphia down to Florida meeting somebody in Florida from Nashville, and the connection they have between them is in Germany. I said, that's music. Yeah, and that's the internet. That is music. And everyone, you know, I I just feel like there's either people I haven't met in person, but we all kind of start to know each other, or you know each other's stuff. And I think it's funny, but I have made friends with people because I like their stuff, even before I knew them. Right. Because a lot of times the things that they write are just a reflection of who they are. And sometimes it's pretty wonderful. You just have to know somebody who comes up with such amazing things. So. That is amazing. Yeah, it is a, it, it is a small world. I have like stories similar to that where it just, how did this happen? So what about, uh, what about the kids? You got two, right? Yes, my one, my daughter was fired from four different music teachers because she had such bad ADD. And I finally just said to the last teacher, you know, I said, she learns when I do it. How come you can't do it? You're a teacher. But I mean, I said, well, I said, then this is not meant to be. And I said to my daughter, you know, you you just can't hit kids now. (laughs) No. My mom used to scare me when I was a kid. But, you know, I always say, I'm glad my mother made me. And these kids now, they're just going to say, oh, I wish my mother made me. And it wasn't for lack of trying. Uh, my son, I mean, the guitar teacher said, I've never heard anyone pick up stuff like that. He just won't practice. So I said, okay, that's that. Hmm. And so if they ever really want to do it, it's in their blood. They'll do it. Right. But I'm, I'm not forcing anyone to do something like that. Right. 
you know? Yeah, I usually know right away. I mean, with me, uh, my dad just taught me a couple chords. He used to sing to us when we were kids, and I showed an interest, and he showed me a couple chords, and I just took it and ran with it. But, you know, so you usually know that right, right out the gate. Well, I played by ear, mostly, and I still do, um, which made my eye hand a lot worse than my ear hand. And um, I remember my mom said, you need to take lessons. And I said, I don't want to. And she said, I'll give you anything you want if you take lessons. I'm about 11 years old. And I said, I want permission to smoke cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) I was just testing. I said, how bad do they really want me to take it? She said, okay. And I remember her taking a cigarette out of a pack and giving it to me and lighting it. And uh, and I wasn't inhaling or anything, but I was just sitting at the table saying, you know what? A good dinner, a good cigarette. This is living. And my father grabbed the cigarette and told me to go to my room. <laughs> he just said, you're, you're too much of a wise guy. Get out of here. And I was, I couldn't help it. But a lot of times when I would go to the piano lesson, I would insist that my mother play me the lesson before I went. And if she would say, I'm not going to play it this time. Let her see how bad you are at reading. And I would just say, then I quit. And then she would play it for me, and I would keep going. Well, you were a brat. I was a brat. I was such a brat. But that that's, you know, it's something that I always knew, you know. Well, now, like, know. when the Beatles came along, or was there anybody in particular that made you go, like, like sort of, like, gave you a kind of a boost, got you, like, really into it? That jump-started well, you? When I was a kid, um, you know, music is so available to everyone now. I mean, if you got an album when you were a kid, that was like a gift. And you really cherished it. But I, I would sleep with a transistor radio and one little earpiece. I slept with the radio every night huh. for my whole life. And... Listen to Top 40. I mean, you had Frank Sinatra playing next to Jimi Hendrix, playing next to the Beatles, the Stones, yeah, Bob Dylan. It, it was know, a weird mix back the then before they FM kind of before categorized FM everything. And fractured all music, and now nobody knows the same song. We had, a, we had a thing once, and everybody wanted to sing a song, and nobody knew the same song, so we wound up singing God Bless America for like 10 times. Well, there was drinking. But it was funny because now, you know, you're, you just listen to hip hop. You have no idea what's on any other station. You just listen to alt rock. You have no idea what's going on anywhere else. Yeah, we always And that's def- what I miss about that. Yeah. I miss listening to everything because I liked, I liked the good of everything, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that was sort inspiring of to, to me. Pick a musical I, I niche love and the stick Beatles. I love the Beatles because I thought they were so melodic, you know? I love Simon and Garfunkel. I loved Elton John. I mean, because he played piano. I think the first song I learned to play on the piano was that was like a not just something I was thinking about was um, your song because oh, you I thought it was so beautiful. And maybe that's the thing that moved me. And then uh, I uh, I studied when I was a little older and hated every minute of it. I would have to take a subway to New York City, you know, or uptown, take a bus, then take a subway. And all I would do, he would make me peanut butter and crackers and homemade iced tea while I told him how much I did not want to do this. <laughs> you know, I... I <laughs> That's why I need a Viking to beat me up, you know, because people let you get away with stuff. Think, you, did you try Craigslist? You might be able to hire somebody to, 
do that. Just beat me up in the morning like uh, the green wanted the Viking green hornet, and Cato would beat him up every day. That's what I need. Somebody to keep me on my toes. But I had to give a recital at Carnegie Hall. One of the things I had to do was musicianship, and that was easy for me. You know, they'd play a note in some low octave and then play a note somewhere above and go, what note is that? And I was really good with, like, intervals and sound. And so I did a lot, transposed the Bach invention, but I had already done that because <laughs> I didn't read it right. And um, I came to do the Chopin Prelude, and I hit the first chord, and I went completely blank. And that had never happened to me before. Because once I knew something, I never needed the music again. And did your teacher jump out from the wings and take your fingers? <laughs> no, that's the old one. <laughs> and what happened was I, I said, I tried to be professional about it. And I said, uh, I'll start again. I hit the same chord. And that song was nowhere to be found. And um, I said, okay. I said, I'll play you a Scott Joplin rag instead. And I did that. And they were all happy with me and said, yes, you need to move along and this and that. And I went out and I told my mom, I will never do this again. From now on, I'm going to write all my own stuff. And that's how it all changed. <laughs> right then and there. Good decision. And speak, this is a good segue here because speaking of songwriting, writing your own songs, when I was talking to Dan May, mm -hmm. he told me that it was you. Yes. Who turned him on to, to the whole songwriting thing and, and got, talked him into doing a CD and yep. turned him on to your producer. And Dan and I have written one song together. Dan is one of my favorite people, and I liked him so much because of one song. And he liked me. We actually met at a taxi convention many years ago. And That's what I he was thought I met me. him at the bar. He says we met on the, on the shuttle on the way there. But I was very nervous. So, you know, I'm so nervous I'm going to not know where I am that I probably didn't, you know. Anyway, we met each other. And I had given him, I had I'd written uh, a CD for new mothers called Baby Fantasy. And it's, it's pretty funny. And I also wrote, I call it a martini music for the new millennial because I missed Frank Sinatra songs. And I gave him a copy of them. And when he came down, when I finally, I came back and he was sitting at the bar. So I met him there and he goes, who are you? I said, I'm Liz. Anyway, <laughs> he really liked this stuff. And then I didn't see him, I guess maybe a year and a half later, he wound up going to an NSII meeting and he played the greatest song in the whole meeting. And I knew we would be friends after that. <laughs> and then we were. <laughs> funny. And he, we would try it's to. How you it's he funny how you make friends see. through the songwriting. Like I'm. That's how I gravitated towards you. I liked your stuff, and you like, well, no, I, I was at an SA, NSAI event again there, too. Isn't that funny? So continue about Dan, though. I'm sorry. Well, uh, Dan and I tried to write, and I felt that he was very highbrow and would bring in literary things. And I said, keep it simple. And he would call me. He'd say, why are you dumb everything down? So he called me Zeke. And I called and I called him Milton. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, Milton, the last poor Yorick." And he'd be like, "Dirt and dirt and dirt." <laughs> and I said to him, "You shouldn't write commercial. I mean, you can't write commercial stuff. You have a very unique way of doing something." He had had an operation, and yeah. it changed his vocal cords. He was an opera singer. I know. And I said to we him, talked about all "Sing that these songs yourself." I go. You are a great singer. I go, you're not an opera singer, but you're still a great singer. 
and you have the tools to be better than everybody. I said, just do your own stuff and be an artist. Good advice. And there you go. And now he's like, great. You know, he's great. How many CDs in? And you he know, reminds I'm one me of like his of biggest a cross fans. between Gordon Lightfoot you know, and Burl I've seen him grow. People say, how do you go see the same show? I go, because they change every time. <laughs> you know, every time a song is different. Either it's acoustic, maybe, or they put a more more instrumentation in. And, you know, I enjoy watching an artist evolve. That's interesting for me. And I enjoy little venues much more than arenas. It's funny because that's why I always used to, and still do, like open mics when I yep. was younger. Because I always thought, I'll be there when somebody is playing a song for the first time. And years later, I'll be like the first to have heard it and known it was going to be a smash yeah you can tell i mean some things are just amazing i've heard things in nashville that no one will ever hear you know maybe it's not commercial enough or you know maybe the person writing it is too fat for them everything's visual now and i'll think to myself that's the most beautiful thing that nobody's going to hear but i got to hear it i feel like it's like letting somebody in on a secret exactly exactly like all this really great stuff that nobody hears except for the musicians because we go out and we're around and we're doing stuff like that so every once in a while you you you're privy to it you know these beautiful things Uh and so i say it's a great life you know i don't care if i ever get a hit song but no, it's a labor you of love. Gotta die trying. <laughs> yeah, a labor of love. That's what I always say. I use a that labor of love, and I get a lot of people. They'll come to a meeting. They'll say, "Yeah, I want. I want to supplement my income writing songs." And I die laughing. <laughs> I say, "If you're in this for the money, hello. If you're in this for the money, you are making a huge mistake." You know, I said, your goal should be to be really great at something. Right. And then if you are, the money will come. And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You'll still be great at something. And uh, so, yeah, I have a lot of people and they're very motivated just by being better songwriters. And that makes me excited. When they want to be Britney Spears, I go, okay, get out. (laughs) Yeah, goodbye. (laughs) Good luck. Goodbye and good luck. Yeah. I was, I was I sort of was talking over you earlier. I was just asking about Dan May. Does, does he not remind you a little bit like a cross between Gordon Lightfoot and Burl Ives? I can see Gordon Lightfoot. You don't see you don't hear a little Burl Ives in his voice either. No, as well. No. Oh, okay. I guess because Burl Ives was so mean in a movie I saw once that I could never <laughs> even look at him. And then when he's doing Christmas songs, I'm like. How could they let that evil villain do a Christmas song? You know, it's when you're a kid, you get all these impressions, and that's just that. But um, Yeah, but he was yeah, actually like, a, like an American folk, He was like a folk hero. He, I met him in Nashville. He was trying to write commercial country. I said, you are not commercial country. I said, you're a genius. Right. Go be an artist. And now he's, you know, playing all the folk festivals. He's getting around. He's charted. And he's doing poetry now. I, I noticed Dan's writing books now. And, you know, Grant's doing poetry. I'm doing some teaching. I said, it's like you just get bigger, you know? The circle of you just gets bigger. You know, you want to just explore more more options. No, I have, and I try I, to tell these new kids now. I said, you know, write, perform, do stuff for TV and film, do stuff for artists, do, do everything. 
How it doesn't you? hurt. It's never a waste of time to craft a great song. You know, it it'll have a place somewhere. Just do it. You know. Do you have a book in you? Do you ever think about writing a book? Yes, I do. I already know what it's about. You don't have to tell me, but you kind of you you know drop little hints or teasers if you want to. Well, you know, I think that when your mother is an artist, um, they're not, you know, they're not June Cleaver. They're are not. You're going to write the story you know, about it's, how it's not my goal to go to every soccer game. It's not my goal. And I remember once my daughter was talking to me, and my lips were moving, and she said, "Are you writing a song while I'm talking to you?" <laughs> and you know, I can't lie. That's one thing I try to do, don't lie. And I said, okay, I am writing a song while I'm talking to you. And she goes, you're not even really here. I said, well, I am here. It's just that I'm on two tracks. You know, that's how I always look at it. There's always a track that's playing in your subconscious, and that's all the song stuff. And then there's, you know, there's the regular track that you're like, you know. Your daughter's yes, quite I'll, a I'll take an order of fries. You know, but you have two things going at, always at the same time. You're always listening. In a weird way. You know, most people don't really listen. But, you know, songwriters, you know, you'll hear something interesting in a grocery line, you know, or going for a walk, you'll see something beautiful. And some the way some people turn a phrase or the way some people respond to a situation that's very unique. You kind of keep that in your little uh, suitcase of stuff, I call it. They're just waiting to be taken out one day for the proper occasion. You know, but you just gather. It's just about gathering and gathering. Right. And then unpacking and, uh, the right thing at the right time. Yep. You just pull it out of your suitcase and go, I got a spot for that. Or, Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. I want to know uh, what things you might have to plug. I don't know when exactly I'll be dropping this podcast, but I know you said you're working on a second CD with the X. Um, the X Conditionals. The X Conditionals. And I'm working on a CD for myself that won't even be ready. I hate my, you know, you said most people like their first CD the best. I hated mine. No, I was I'm totally wasn't going to dump it and get rid no, of it. No, I was it asking what you think. Like, is your early stuff better or you think your best is yet to come? I That's can, the I, hardest question you can ask. I already know the I answer mean, with the you. The CD that I wrote, I liked the stuff. I didn't like the CD. Uh, I, I think with you, your best is yet to come. I just have that feeling that you just are getting stronger and stronger as a as an artist. Well, I hope so. I hope so. If you think your best is behind you and that you've already peaked, it's all downhill from there. I'd like to think it's uh, going to be an interesting ride from now on, you know, because I'm freed up and I this is all I really care about right now is doing this. Kids are out of the house. I'm free. And I would like to dedicate a lot of my time to just becoming better as an artist. I mean, I was sitting in a basement in a vacuum for a long time. And it's like coming out and having the sun in your eyes to actually be a performer. It's a total different brain. But it's kind of fun. And people are so nice and receptive. And it's very interesting to actually be out with people. And they're a good gauge if they're laughing in the right place. If they go, mm, 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 you know what I mean? When you're trying to make a point, then yeah. you feel like I've done my job. And that's a great feeling. Well, with that, I think we, if, if you have a, um, a URL or anything you want me to um, make sure. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, well, I'm, you know, when your name is Liz Miller. Yeah. 
just add dot com to that or Liz Miller there's Music? About, there's about a billion of us. Yeah, that's. I have a, a, I have Liz Miller songs. Liz Miller dot com. The dot com. Liz Miller dot com. Yeah, I noticed that the last entry in Liz Miller dot com was like from 2016. So yeah, you got to get on that list. I know. Well, you know, that's my goal is to update all, all the media stuff. I mean, it's so t- it's very tedious, but it's you know in this do-it-yourself world now, it's part of it. Yeah. So time to get on the stick. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll let you get back to your life so you can update your website and 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 write a new song or something. Well, thank you, Hal. Thank you for doing this. Well, thank you. Thank you for talking to me. I, I can't wait uh, to see where this all ends up. Oh yeah, it's well, great. I think it's and a all good the thing. People listen to it. Thanks. Let me know when everything goes goes live and stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, there will be like an accompanying uh, an accompanying web page, like like show notes on my website. So for each podcast, there'll be notes. Maybe even like a uh, what do you call it? Uh, where you write a trans. Uh, oh, help me out here. Transcript. A transcript. Yeah, I'll probably have a transcript on on the page to coincide with the podcast with links to wherever you want to direct people. Oh, so, okay. So I'll let you know, like when I'm. That would be good. I'll let you. I'll, I'll, I would do my brother's CD. Is probably the thing I'm most proud of. I love that CD. Mm. I'll give you one. Oh, okay. But oh, that's great. That is one probably one of my favorite things I ever did. Cool. So, I can't wait to hear um, it. Yeah. Oh, here's a funny, just a weird story about it. Because it was uh, martini music. My brother actually opens casinos in Vegas. And he went, he opened the Cosmopolitan. What's his name? And Andrew Burgoyne. Andrew Burgoyne, okay. Okay, and when he went in for his job interview, they had his album cover. They had copied it and made hundreds of copies and put it all over the wall. And he just said, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> and uh, and he just said, that was a long time ago. And he said, I'm very proud of it. But, you know, he didn't realize that how hard it was to actually be a musician and what kind of life it was. And I think after several times of trying to um, uh, get bands, you know, or hire people with very limited resources. He just said, I, this is not for me. Right, screw it. And after all we did, he just said, but now I know I don't want to do it, and thank you. But uh, he did a great job. What? Anyway, they all of a sudden, in Reno, they were playing it somehow. And I have no idea how this happened. Just turned up. Where things just turn up, and... Next thing you know, they're playing your song in Reno or they're dancing to it at the Grove in L.A. Or some Swedish lady is singing your song to some video that you didn't even know they did. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's... So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. The whole thing is interesting. Well, that's yeah. a great story to end on. And so now, I, now I'm looking forward to hearing this. I like martini music. Yes, I, I think you'll really like it. I might have to get a bottle of something so I can drink along with it. No, oh, yeah. I, I stopped drinking it's, because It's definitely of that. something to be kind of mellowed out with. Well, thank you, Al. And thank you, Liz. All right. Well, that was Liz Miller. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I know I did. Uh, next week on Tales of the Road Warriors, I'm not sure which Road Warrior is going to be telling their tale. So you're just going to have to come. Uh, join us next week at this time. Uh, we usually drop the show on Thursdays. 
Uh, I try to get it out by noon, but sometimes it's, it's a little later in the day. Um, if you're on the West Coast, it's usually right on time. But here on the East Coast, sometimes uh, you might not get it till about two in the afternoon. But uh, I do my best to, you know, make sure it's on Thursday sometime on Thursday. All right. Well, I want to thank you for uh, for keeping me company and uh, see you next week on Tales, Tales of, the of the Road Warriors right now. I'm going for a drive. Yeah.